Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hey. Every time you, you mute your cough, I'm going to cough in place oh, great. of you. So it'll line up with the video. That would be fantastic. <laughs> so if you're, anybody's watching the video, yeah. the video will not make any sense at all. But And also, you'll have to look at me. And I don't look great today. I've been sick. I'm getting over it. But So apologies for that. You can listen just the audio only this week. Maybe that would be best for you. How you guys doing? <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> I'm, doing, real I'm good. doing good. I'm back in action. Is today the tenth? Yeah, January tenth. So for like almost the last wow. ten days, I've kind of been doing not regular home stuff. I've been on the road. Yeah. Um, finally, yesterday was my first day. I paid bills, and I started working on some projects that have been lingering. I really got some good stuff out of the way. But yeah, this is it. Yep. Twenty twenty. I'm really anxious to hear about the chair build. That whole process, because just from the outside, seeing little clips of everybody I've seen down there that makes those chairs with him, they look so precise, and look at that thing. That's crazy. Oh, there it is. So spindly, and like, I don't know. I want to hear about it. (laughs) Spindly. Yeah, I just took a chair class with Greg Pennington, and actually was editing the video just before we started. That might be my first video of the year if I can get something together in the next couple of days. The class is a five-day class with uh, up to six students, and you learn the process of making a Windsor chair. In our case, we made a Windsor rocker. You can make a regular Windsor chair. Each thing, of course, has its own formula and degrees of pitch and so on and so on. Because of the time constraint, he doesn't let us do the lathe because he said the whole class would become all about making things on the lathe. So he makes the spindly legs, which are the sexiest part of the whole thing. And I have a little video of him whipping one up in like seconds because he's so used to making them. He just uses a little story stick and every depth is is basically done by feel and touch. And he makes seven spindles. They all look like they came right off a CNC machine. The class consists of us throwing the wood, getting the wood, throwing it, basically splitting it down along the grain lines and and <coughs> steam bending the continuous back and all the angles. There's so many angles and there's all different tips and tricks on how to get those angles drilled correctly. And there's lots to it. I, I couldn't build another one of these without instruction because there's so much to it. And I didn't take notes or anything because I was just going through the process. But I would love to do that again. I'm definitely going to go down there at one point and take the class again. And Ann was there and Jenny Bauer and and uh, uh, Justin Maybe was there. And Patrick, the electrician, Patrick Reynolds and Rob Rojas. So we all went down the, to the class. It was a lot of fun. Justin Maybe and Jenny Bauer just kind of hung around. They were just there for moral support. And we had a really nice time. So I, I drove down to Nashville. And I drove home. So the night before last, I drove a thousand miles one way. It's nice to drive again. You know, it's been a minute, I guess, since COVID. But remember when I used to drive everywhere? Yeah, he did. <laughs> and I think I'm going to do that again. I know WorkbenchCon's coming up. And I was talking to Derek. I said, I think I'm going to drive. If you want to get a ride, I'm going to drive. Hmm. It's nice to be in my car and stop and just at my own pace. When it's time to leave, you don't have that airport anxiety. It's like, yeah. well, I'm just going to go get in my car and go home. <laughs> so like, am I gonna make it? Can I get on the plane? Am I holding a razor blade in my sock? I can't remember. You know, stuff like this. This is all stuff that goes to my mind. <laughs> yeah, you always forget if you've got hidden blades. Mm. I do. Yeah. Mm. So I'm curious about about the chair building. I mean, obviously, 
going through a learning process like that and having that experience is just good because it's the experience. You've done something new. You have a new yeah. set of understanding about that chair. Is there is there stuff from that class that you can definitely see yourself putting into something else that you would make in the future? Or does it feel very chair-specific, that style um, chair-specific, stuff like that? No, I, I learned a lot of techniques. There's just so many subtle techniques. And it's funny, Greg said, I wish you hang around here for a month. I would learn so much from you as well. I, there's so many traditional ways of doing things. And there were there was a couple of moments where I was like, can I do it like this? And he's like, well, I've never thought of doing it like that. That's perfectly acceptable. There was a lot of those moments. and But I learned a tremendous amount. Simple techniques, for instance, trying to drill an angle. You have to drill an angle that's like 90 degrees in this orientation and 15 degrees in this orientation or 24 degrees. And we use lasers in some cases, but the real old school method is to just put a mirror at each angle. So you, if you're looking down at it, you have an angle on the 90 and an angle on the degree, a mirror, and your drill is in the middle and you have a, a bevel, an adjustable bevel at the right degree. And then when you look in the mirror, you could see where your drill is in relationship to the adjustable bevel hmm. sitting upright on the table. And you just hold it till it's parallel in the mirror and whoop, you drill your hole. So you got to look at the two angles. You got to look at the 90 and you got to look at the the degree. So you, you, your eyes are darting around to the mirrors constantly looking down, looking forward, looking sideways. And you just take a nice slow drill. And that's, that's something I'm going to use forever. Putting a bevel gauge upright on the table at the degree you want and a mirror on the other side of it. So you have your drill, the bevel gauge, and the mirror. And if you look in the mirror at any angle, you could see how parallel you are. There's no there's no hard, fast rules. You could put that mirror sort of at any distance or anywhere it seems comfortable so you could see it cleanly. And you'll get that angle as long as you're... Well, there's a varying degree of... of there's a degree of variability because it's there's not a... You're not a cool. Do you explain this at all in the video you're editing? I, I will, because I do show it. Yeah, this video is going to have to be a talk over because there's so much music in the background and conversation. I'm going to kind of mute mostly the entire thing unless Greg has some good instruction while he's talking because I filmed him a lot. But I'll fill in the gaps. But yeah, no, that just happens to be a really cool old school trick that sticks with me. And in some cases, we didn't use a power drill. We used the the, 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 the bit and brace. And we mm. did the bit and brace while we're looking at the mirrors. The egg beater. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, sometimes he, he's got lasers that, that take that up. So as you drill in the hole, the laser is right on one quarter of the drill bit, even though the drill bit say three-eighths or five-sixteenths or, or half-inch. You just have the – you tilt everything until the laser is kissing the side of the, the drill bit. So there's lots of angles, lots of angles and, and vanishing points and all kinds of crazy things. So when you draw the – the pattern to drill all the holes there's all these extra tick marks and all those extra tick marks make up the incident of the angle that they need to be drilled at it's pretty crazy because you know how the oh. back of the chair has guys... got 14 spindles that are all splayed out mm -hmm. and all those are indicated on that laid out piece of uh, material that you sketched onto the thing go ahead dave have you guys seen the it's like a facebook or an instagram ad or I think it's like a Kickstarter project, um, but it's like these little red laser pointers that go on your drill, yeah. and they spin around on your drill so you can see, like makes concentric circles yeah. so you can see uh, if you're drilling straight. Yeah, those are great. I, 
I'm tempted, but the ads look so shady. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to give them my credit card. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those recently. Um, different color lasers, and you can tell that somebody had the idea, and then a bunch of other people are just like, oh, yeah, I can do that too, quick. Mm. You know, so there's a bunch of different. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm sure one of them eventually will come out, and that will be um, trustworthy. Milwaukee or DeWolf. Yeah. 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 But. <clears throat> Well, cool. That's, that sounds like a, a cool class. I it was great. Have was watched, really you know, uh, Anne and other people down there taking that class before, and it's one of those things that I know technically I would come away with a bunch of those types of little nuggets, but it also seems just from the outside it seems completely overwhelming. Like to do all <laughs> of that work in that amount of time seems like I, I don't know. <laughs> I can probably find something else to do in a weekend, <laughs> but that's funny. No, there, there was a lot of hurry up and wait because you know we all didn't mm-hmm. work at the same pace, so we get to a stage. He breaks down also the carving of the seat, which looks complicated, and there's <coughs> obviously certain traditional shapes and bevels and stuff that you would follow just so you look like you've made a Windsor chair, and to get to those various. Uh, milestones, there's lines drawn on the chair. It's like, okay, carve uh, carve to this line and then wait and then scoop out to this to the end of this drill bit depth and then wait. And we all just followed the steps and before long we all made three chairs that basically looked the same. At one point we're all like, who's is this? Oh, oh, this one's mine. And we had to like write our name in pencil like in a prominent spot because <laughs> we kept mixing them up. But it was you know, like Patrick never did any carving or chair making ever in his life. He never carved wood. And he's an electrician, and he did a really beautiful job. Hmm. There's a lot of it on the... I put it on my Instagram post where we're all doing the draw knife at the same time, like to heavy metal. Just look funny. There's a lot of draw knifing. And if you don't have upper body strength or you haven't developed your pull row, rowboat muscles, you'll feel it. It definitely felt a little achy after a couple of days. You got to do the, the draw knife a lot for all the spindles. You throw them out of a chunk of wood. So you have basically a, a log that's sliced and you throw out a vague one by one inch piece. And it all, some of it looks really crooked and cockeyed. And you're like, there's no way this is going to make it all the way to the end and still be good. But by the time it all goes in the chair, it's all focused and fairly square. It's crazy and fairly straight. Like if you looked at this, I, I look at some of these and I'm like, oh, I remember that one looked horrible when I started. Because you developed a you develop a, an affection for each one of these spindles because you know them intimately as you start carving them. <laughs> Weird. You do, a, you do a rough carve on them and then you put them back in the kiln for a couple of days. So you get to a milestone. It's like every, every the skinny ends all had to be 7 sixteenths and the fat ends all had to be, I think it was a half inch. And you, you, get, you do that. And then once you get there, then you put them in the kiln and then two days later you take them out of the kiln and now they're much drier and more harder to carve and you, you go on with the spoke shave where you could do more of a controlled hmm. cut it's a lot of fun you definitely learn the techniques on the the draw knife and the spoke shave and several other tools this is a thing called the baked potato it just looks like a it's it's like a it's like a draw um it's like a spoke shave but it's for scooping out the seat and you you push on it or you could pull on it and it really is a beautiful tool and a lot of the tools, like he's like, oh, this is made by John Smith and so-and-so. They're not like brand-name tools. A lot of the tools he, we use were made by individual people like us that just make that one tool. So that I thought was cool, too. 
cool hmm. also <laughs> cool 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 that's cool and that sounds sounds worthwhile sounds like it was a good, good it was one. absolutely yeah, it yeah. was absolutely worth it i would highly recommend it his classes are always full he says as soon as he announces a schedule for the year he says he fills up in a couple of days but he said there's always room for more and he said a lot of people will drop out. So he said there's always room mm. for something or somebody somewhere. Depends on how bad you want it. Yeah. Cool. Well, David, what have you been doing? Have you made a chair in the well, last couple of weeks? No. The <laughs> funny thing is when I was in high school, uh, we could pick any project that we wanted to work on and accept a chair. The Mr. Myers said a chair was too difficult. The angles and everything, it's too difficult for where you guys are at right now. So anytime I think about chairs, I think about Mr. Myers saying that. And then when you were mentioning you had to write your, your names on the chairs so you knew which was which, it brought back a memory that I didn't need to have brought back. <laughs> but it was just like one of those, like in, in, some childhood in, in trauma. high school. It, there's no trauma uh but in high school you had to write your your name and your period on all the pieces so when you came back the the next day or whatever you knew what would, was yours and I, I was building this cabinet i think this was my senior year and basically i had like two or three shelves and a drawer in the bottom and it ha each piece had my name david Pachuto, seventh period on all the pieces and the school year ended before i was able to finish that cabinet and so it it never got sanded, it never got finished, but I took it home and then it ended up going to the different apartments that I moved into and it just never got finished. I just always I just always remember on every shelf it says David Pachuto seventh period. And then one day uh it ended up in a band practice space, which was on like a second or third floor, and we took it up to the roof and we threw it off the roof and crashed it into the parking lot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was going to end with, and this is it right here. I finished yeah. it last week. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, when I say I don't have any kind of like emotional attachment to the things I make, you mean it? It's one hundred percent true. I could. <laughs> I, I I don't need any of the things I make. I'll just I can just make new ones. Well, okay. So that gave me an idea, though. So as you are continuing to create, you know, pieces of art that are around woodworking, <laughs> why don't you sign them? David Pesciuto, seventh period. Seventh period. That would be amazing. Yeah, totally you know, should. if like somebody yeah. got one of your pieces and it had that on there, like what a clever little <laughs> unique signature for an artist. You'd only have to sign things yeah. that you didn't finish though. Those are the ones you signed. <laughs> right. That, right. With that that's, moniker. That, that's my signature move <laughs> is not finishing my project. 90%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm working on, uh, I'm really excited how this project's coming out. I, I got one of those, X tool P two P two X tool P two from Star laser? Wars, right? The, the... Yeah, yeah. R two D two. I got one of those R two D two lasers, and um, supposed to do a review, but I don't want to do a typical review, so I wanted to make a project. So the goal is: can I make a real woodworking project with just a laser? And when you look at, like, I really don't like how laser projects look. So this is, the idea is to have this look like a woodworking, like a fine woodworking piece of furniture that couldn't be made with a laser. So it's basically a little end table that goes on the side of a couch. And the legs and everything are big, beefy, one inch thick guys. And I'm just lasering at one layer at a time, gluing those together. 
and then make and then veneering the whole thing and it's coming out really good um like it was supposed to be this fun little experiment but i'm really loving how it how it's coming out so you're saying the whole thing will be will be cut cut in pieces on the laser cutter yeah yeah so we got a we got a big we got three sheets of five by five foot one eighth inch plywood chopped it down so it would all fit into the laser bed and then everything is just made one layer at a time with holes in there so you could use dowels to make sure everything lines up perfectly and then everything gets veneered and it it's coming out really good i'm really really thrilled with it yeah so it's like a human 3d print in a way is it like that with the layers in in a way yes um so not every layer is is uh you know horizontal right. so like the, the the legs aren't made up of stack a, a thousand pieces right. they're they're vertical okay. so yeah and um and everything is just hidden with with veneers and it's it, it's it's i don't know i'm just really i'm just really thrilled with with how it's turning out oh cool awesome yeah mm, cool cool is that going yeah. um into the new house or is there like what's the next thing going into the new house uh, i don't know if it's going in so here's the, the idea was i was going to build a record player stand for the new house i ordered uh like a uh, somewhat cheap record player and speaker combo from amazon and it's got the record player looks like it's made out of wood and i was going to make a stand for this and it was just going to hold like a it's going to be about 20 inches wide and just hold 30 or so records. And this was all going to be done on the laser one layer at a time, but I had this really thick beefy base. And then when I started calculating how many sheets and how many layers it was going to take to make this thing, I was like, this is, there would have been way too much waste. Mm. And, and this was the night before I had drawn this up a few days before, but when I was trying to figure out the, the different layers, the night before i was like i can't do this i really this is it's just going to be too tedious and too wasteful and so at eight o'clock the night before i'm like i need a new project i don't know and i'm like going through like some of my sketches and some of my photos that i've been collecting off the internet i'm like oh i'll just make an end table and that'll do and i had this idea for an end table that i kind of borrowed mostly borrowed from the internet and without a plan for it and so I think it's going to go into a new house. There's there's a new couch that's getting delivered there today. If it looks like it belongs there, that's where it'll go. Otherwise, I'm going to take it to the Goodwill. <laughs> gotcha. Which I've done that a couple times, and that always gets a reaction. That's that's why you need to hang around to the end of the videos mm-hmm. to see if I donate the project. Gotcha. Does the people at Goodwill recognize you when you come in? Do you come in that often? No, 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 no. I'm, but the the times that I have donated my projects, I'm sure that they didn't even make it out to the floor. You mean the, the staff steals it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a buddy who worked for the Salvation Army, and he his wardrobe he had probably 500 t-shirts, and he was one of those like vintage t-shirt collector guys, and he loved his job because he could just borrow t-shirts from mm-hmm. from that. He, he never paid for anything. Uh, I love you, Jeff. Uh, it reminds me, my dad, we're cleaning up my dad's house, of course, and he, uh, my dad, every year for like 30, maybe 35, 40 years, he worked at the church, and he would, every year they'd have the white elephant sale, and people would donate 
anything they don't want to the church on this particular window in spring. And my dad and his team would go through it and put whatever they wanted. And they'd raise five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. But my dad would go through it and take everything he wanted. So he'd have all <laughs> blenders, toasters, silverware, all mostly just house fodder. And my dad would take what he would want. So right now we're in the process of going through everything that he took, which is everything he owned, basically everything in the house, of course, and just... The few times we've been there so far, we just put it on the sidewalk. Rob was with me. We did a Facebook market, come and take it. And 60, 50, 60% of it was taken away. But it's that's why my dad has so much stuff, because he had first dibs every year mm-hmm. for 30-plus mm-hmm. years at the St. Anthony's Church, and he would take whatever was going to go in the white elephant sale, but he took the good stuff. Cameras. This, if there's one that's in the pocket camera, like this is an expensive one, but I'm holding up a Lomux. This is the one I just used on my trip. But the little point and shoots where the sli- front slides open, like the old Sonys, he must have a couple hundred of those mm. tucked in every corner of the house. And I know he got most of them at that white elephant cell because people don't lose the charger. They don't know what to do with it. My dad mm. snatches it up. You know, so going through all that stuff. It's fun. Mm. It's yeah, crazy. I'm sure. Is there, do you have any idea how long it's going to take to go through everything? Uh, my sister and I were talking about that last night, actually, just before I went to bed. And we, we realized there's no rush. There's, mm. We're not going to take two years, but we don't have to have it done in a couple of days, you know, or in a couple of weeks. The house is going to be winterized. So we don't have to worry about kind of paying attention to it. I shut the water off right away. But this, the house will sit empty for some time. But in general... We're just going to take our own pace and eventually get the house prepped and potentially sell it or keep it. We don't know yet, but yeah. we'll figure that out. But in the beginning, there was a little bit of a of, of an angst, uh, of an anxiousness to like get it done. And last night we realized between all of our schedules and the logistics, no one lives right near there. So we'll just take our time, do it one, one or two weekends a month until it's done. Yeah, I spent three week, three three days there so far, and three dumpsters, and I've gotten rid of a lot. We made our way through a couple of the rooms so far. Oh. Good. We lost Dave. Yeah, he'll come back probably. Um, <clears throat> well, let's see. So I've been sick. Uh, right after Christmas, I got sick. So I had a weird, like, it's been that long. I don't ever get. So you going it's, on it's two been, three weeks? Yeah, it's been going on for a while. I don't oh, wow. usually get sick. Like, I don't remember yeah. the last time I got any sort of a cold or... Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't. And right after Christmas, I started coughing, and I got some sort of a something, cold thing, and then it got better, and then it got worse. And so when it got worse, um, I, I... Yesterday... Not yesterday. Monday. Um... The guy that I was telling you about that had the kiln, he's had the kiln for us for like yeah. multiple years, pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, he's, he was coming up through the area and he offered to bring the kiln. So he brought the kiln and he's on his way up here and I'm like coughing that morning and I'm like trying to work, but my legs are kind of like felt woozy and my legs felt weak. And I'm like, this is like strange. I've never had this before. So I took a COVID test. Turns out I was positive. Oh, and boy. so, yeah. what do you so do? I... Sent him a message and I was like, I know you're on the way with this thing. I will leave you money outside and you're just going to have to drop it in my driveway because, like, you know, I don't want to. 
And he did, and he was great about it. Um, but I think he's gonna come, he's gonna drop back by on his way back through, so I can at least shake his hand and say thank you. Um, anyway, so we have the kiln now, which is cool. But that process of like, you know, I don't want to get anybody else sick. I should probably check this out. And then it was like, yeah, I got COVID. The rest of the family tested negative, so now I just got to stay away from everybody. And so now you're like pain. the lecher in the and basement. I'm, I'm better, pretty much. I, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So. I don't, you know, I don't feel bad anymore, but um, I'm still in the middle of my trying to keep everybody else well separation. Yeah. So I've been doing that. But another weird thing that happened there at that same time that I got sick is I had like a rib pop out of place. What? Uh, have you ever had this happen? No. Yes. Okay. I've had it before. One other time. Um, oh, David's internet went down, apparently. So, and <laughs> this is funny because there's actually a, not funny. There's a thing called slippery rib syndrome, right. which I don't think I have. But there is right. a thing where people have like loose ribs and they pop out of place. And I don't know why some people have it. Some people don't. But apparently it's pretty common and people can have a rib pop out of place and you can just like do certain stretches to pop it back in. And I did that because that's what it felt like. And it got better. But now I've had this ache in my side rib area for like two and a half weeks now and having a constant pain or a constant like it's not even pain it's like a soreness that zaps me that takes my energy way more than coughing and being sick and stuff so the last couple of weeks have just been a lot of like I'm trying to be productive but I don't really feel good you know oh, man. <laughs> so <clears throat> it's been a little bit uh, what is your do you have an idea of what your next video is have you guys gotten close to some uh, yeah there's one that I've been working on that should be out this weekend uh, as far as as far as I know unless something goes wrong but basically um, I got new shop lights so the, remember those lights that I had in my shop the flat panel LEDs did I ever show you yeah. those they're like drop in for, for uh, drop ceilings and they worked great. They were they spread a lot of light. They were all had the same color temperature and all this stuff. And we realized over the last six months or so that the lighting and all of the shots for the videos started getting really out of whack. And we were having all this trouble chasing like white balance and, and all this stuff. And so I have finally the same lights. So I'm worried. Well, I, so I looked up at the lights and they're like changing color and they're fading Ooh. and they're. And they're all doing it differently. It's not like oh, they're wow. all beginning to become one thing. Some of them are getting cooler. Some of them seem to be getting warmer. Hmm. Some of the lights are starting to dim on one side of the panel. And they're just failing. Because I remember when I built the shop, I'm like, hey, Bob, these are the lights that I got. So I think you got the same exact lights that I did. Yeah, probably. Uh, but at the same time, I have some here in my office that look perfectly good. Hmm. There's no problem with them. So... I don't know if maybe... And I, I bought a whole bunch of them at one time back then. So maybe I got a bad batch of them or hmm. I have no idea. I'm not worried. Anyway, those are failing. And the big problem... They're, they're not failing from like a... They're not putting out light. They're failing from color temperature and consistency and stuff like that. And in the filming space, that's pretty important. So started looking for other types of shop lights that I could put in there. Um, trying to find something different and something that was probably cheaper overall in case this happened again and stuff like that. Anyway, I found these 
these like strip lights that have LED strips inside them. So they actually would be easier to swap because if I needed to replace the LEDs, they have a diffuser on them. They've got plugs on both ends, you know, male and female, so you can link them together. Um, anyway, I found these lights and went to try them out. And these lights are going in... My shop has exposed ceiling joists. So before, with these big flat panel lights, I could just mount them to the bottom of the joists and use, use that surface as you know, where everything was mounted and I can put in screws into the bottom of those joists and put them any, anything anywhere I wanted to. The problem with that was that it's kind of a low ceiling. And so every time I'm shooting video that is not at eye level directly, you know, flat, if I'm looking up at all, or if I'm zoomed out really big, you can see those lights in the back of the shot and they become these really bright kind of hot spots. And so I was trying to figure out a way to avoid that by moving the lights. So this video is about using 3D printing to problem solve a better way to mount the lights, to get them out of the camera's view, but still spread the light. And so basically it's me experimenting with uh, modeling brackets to be able to mount these lights up inside the joist, but be able to move them up and down and find the right place for them and stuff like that. And it's so funny because I, I came up with a little simple idea to be able to make them be able to move up and down inside the joist space. And it kind of worked, it worked, but it was kind of a pain to install. And I've got to put a whole bunch of these lights in. So this is like before Christmas, I start mounting these lights. I model this thing. I do a couple iterations of it. And the whole video is supposed to be about problem solving and everything. And, you know, it's working, but it's like not great. Then I get sick. And then I don't do anything for like a week, week and a half. And I'm standing in the shower trying to like get rid of all the gunk in my throat. And all of a sudden it was like I got shocked or something. I'm like, I'm doing this completely wrong. I have such a better idea for this bracket. <laughs> it's yeah, so weird. Those amazing moments. And so, so, like, I as soon as I got feeling well enough, I went down and just, like, started the camera up. And I'm like, I have a better idea. And, you know, so I came up with a better idea for this bracket, something that's way more general, more useful. And mm. um, so I, I hope that it comes through in the video that it was, like, an iterative thing. And then I had to step away a little bit and then had a better idea. I don't know. Um, the last couple of weeks are kind of cloudy, so I'm not really sure how well <laughs> the video is going to be put together. Mm. We'll, we'll see. But anyway, so that's the video that's coming out. I've also been working on, um, I think I've told you about it, renovating our, our basement space, like right outside my office here, where the ping pong table is and stuff. I've been putting in recessed lighting in there, and it looks like way better. I just painted a big mural on the side of the wall, which I think turned out really cool. And so um, there's going to be a couple of videos about that space and doing different things out there, but that's going to be in probably February or March or something. So, um, yeah, I'm working on stuff, but in, in little bits as I get my energy back. So that's, that's kind of what I've been up to. And I'm really anxious to get out and work on the car again. My hope was oh, yeah. while the kids were out of school and I was kind of taking a couple of weeks of work off that I would get out there a couple of days and just, you know, make some real progress off camera, just, just to make progress. And I have not felt like going out there at all. So it feels, you know, it's kind of a bummer. It just feels like a wasted opportunity, but what are you going to do? You're sick. You're sick. So 
hopefully I'll get out there and, and be able to work on the car uh, before too long and make some progress. That's one of my things for the new year. I don't know if we're going to talk about like goals or anything, but w- this year I really, really want to make significant progress on the Gia. I want it to be, I'm not going to do any more body work until it warms up, but that means that I still have like front end, back end to tear apart and engine to figure out how to rebuild. And, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff I can do in the meantime. So I'm just going to try to prioritize some time and start really like chipping away at that thing. But I've been thinking a lot as I've been laying in bed about this coming year and things I want to accomplish, but I don't want to keep talking because <clears throat> I need to clear my throat. Really well. <laughs> so, have you guys been thinking about that? I mean, is that something that I you made a list? Yeah, about looking I, ahead at the year. Hundred percent. I made a list, and I can read it right now. Actually, I was going to publish it on Instagram, which maybe I will. So, twenty twenty four, and this is just a quick thing. You can see here this list that I that I made, and it's not. Eh, it's overexposing, but I'll read it. It says leather journals, mini stools, six pack wine holder, which I have to make next week. I got to make a set of steps to go up to the top of the barn. They sent me a Costa Rican slab from uh, a company that deals in exotic woods. I want to make a Burt Reynolds Trans Am. I want to make a smoke. <laughs> this is like yes. me. I want to just like get a Trans Am, 77 Trans Am with T tops, any color potentially have a beige interior and make it into a a, a bandit a bandit oh, uh truck bed i gotta do the truck bed i gotta build barn doors a bandit do with a truck light. bed yep <laughs> i gotta make an irish sign for my neighbor i have sheets of aluminum i gotta turn into something i want to do this vi- potential idea with carolina shoes where i make big giant footprints and walk through the snow with them so it'd be like big foot thing which i think after I wrote it down, I'm like, did Paul do that? That sounds like a Paul idea. Maybe I thought it would have to Paul did it. So I got like to I I I check with Paul if he's ever done that. <clears throat> um, I'm going to do a metal forming video where I, I form uh, top and bottom die and form steel or, or, or aluminum. I want to do bronze casting, power hammer restoration. I have footage of me restoring the power hammer, but I don't have a lot of it. So what I want to do is make a project on the power hammer and just ha- keep having flashbacks to me and the crew restore. Because during Maker Camp, like 15 guys worked on the power hammer to get it done. It was like one of those things where you see like an overnight restoration of a car and like 20 people work on it. So it can't, you can't help but get done in a really timely manner. So during Maker Camp, one of the days it poured rain. So like 10 guys, 15 guys hung out at my shop and restored the power hammer. And I kept jumping in and wow. out and taking footage of it. I want to make uh, new gates for the house, a uh, campaign chair, which is actually it's funny because I wrote it in my thing. And then at Annie's house, I was at, at Annabelle Trade's house. She had made one. So it was good to see hers in close. I want to make a giant hourglass. I want to, I actually started working on this video last night, Skive Leather Wallets. With the bags, I, I have so much leather left over. But it's such thick leather and it's such small pieces, I can't really do anything with it. And so I got from... Weaver, a skiving machine where you stick it through and it splits it. So I cut all my leather, blank, cut all my wallet blanks last night, and it's 10 ounce leather, which is very thick. And then I put it through the machine and it comes out the other side and it's split in half. So it's half as thick and it's much more pliable to use for wallets. So that's a cool. I want to make a wood burning stove from scratch, just Ooh. seats of steel. I want to make a garden cart that I could pull behind the Polaris. I have the 
the boat motor video, which Rob restored last year. I haven't published yet, but I also haven't finished my final scene. <laughs> I want to make a trailer for the boat because it's so heavy. I want to do a hot sauce holster for leather, which I've seen online. I'm going to do a thing called the Table of Horrors for Total Boat. I have all these freeze-dried animals. You have my interest? All the oh, animals that I found in the in the, in the <laughs> all the animals I found in the graveyard house. I'm going to put them all together in a table, a big resin table. <laughs> oh, man, it, it'll be for the it'll be for the graveyard house. It's going to be like a big, maybe like a 30 inch circle, and then just uh, casually figure out a good arrangement of the animals in there. And there's a few mm. cats, a gopher skull, a couple of fun things. Look, a few cats. You should you should yeah. make a new front door. Or maybe it's a back door for the house. That is that. Uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, like a, the, it's like a clear epoxy door with just dead animals in it. That's a good idea. I want to carve that's marble this year. Idea. Don't do that. <laughs> I want to make a... At Anne's, we, we, we killed some time one evening before we were all before I was set to leave and before Jenny was set to leave. And we were just hanging out, talking and whittling. And I haven't whittled really in a long, long time. It's been years. So I whittled a little spoon, which got me thinking... I should either make a whittling knife, blacksmith up a whittling knife, and sharpen it, polish it, and then whittle something. So that's that's a, a video whittling knife. Uh, oh, I, you know the Maker Man, <clears throat> the the big Maker Man moniker that's on the wall. I was talking to JD, and he's going to come, and we're going to make the frame for it. So the the Maker Man frame is going to be eight feet in diameter, made in steel. With scrap steel, we're going to just weld up pits and pieces together and stand it up. And then I'm going to open it up to the community. This is a real long-term project. <clears throat> but I'm going to open it up to the community for people to make the different panes. So you, you'll get all that. You'll get that blue region. You'll get that red region. You'll get that green region. And you can just tell whatever story you want in there. But what I want is that Maker Man to be a real piece of glass cut hole into the building, stuck in the building. That's that's my goal. My long term goal is to actually have that stained glass be real, and mm. we're gonna weld up the frame, which would be like the so called leading part. We're gonna weld that up out of just any scrap we could find, and just so it'll have a nice texture to it. But it'll all be that black line, and then everybody would, and then everybody would get a template, and then you'd have to make sure that your glass would fit in that template, and then we put it in the window. But I could, could you imagine having thirty five people make a stained glass thing? It won't be done until. The year 2050. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's a dream. So, so that's, that's, that's what I have now. That's a and big a list of, of projects. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have anything like, I'm not really sure how to classify this, but is there anything really different that you've been interested in or, you know, something that's, that's, either like a style of thing or a, a well marble room. carving marble carving for oh. sure is yeah like i want to do like a so, uh, somewhat of a abstract piece of marble i'll probably do something that's a little bit more figurative that we're familiar with i mean i'm not gonna you know do like the pieta but i'll do something that's a little bit more recognizable as a shape potentially but i want to carve marble i carved this time last year like i started Burt carving reynolds. i'm gonna i'm gonna carve burt reynolds in the bandit that would be awesome Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, there's so many. Have to, there's so many skilled carvers online right now. It's carving stone, so that's inspiring me. What do you got? You see, you see this. So inside, this is a this is a bowl that I made a long time ago. Inside is a piece of leather, but if you remove the leather, 
It's Burt Reynolds. Oh wait, can I can't see, see it. You, you, yo, you're a little, it. like, you're a little oh. too pixelated. Ah, uh, I can't see it. Send, send, send us a still shot of it. Okay, no, we'll do. Uh, but I love the, I love the, the Burt Reynolds look during the, the, the Bandit Day. Actually, that was his look forever. But I made yeah. this bowl, and it's kind of like a hidden little uh, Easter egg in there. If you remove the leather bottom, there is Burt Reynolds from the movie Bandit. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Imagine, I just got really excited. Even, we talk about Burt. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go off. Could you imagine if if they did the Burt Reynolds brand now, or that the, the Smoking the Bandit now? It would be video games. It would be. It would never end. It would just go on forever. It would be Ryan Gosling. Yeah, they're gonna. They're gonna. De- we're talking about it now. They're definitely gonna do it again. They have to probably. Yeah. Who would be who would play who would be a good Burt Reynolds? I mean, Ryan probably Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. <laughs> he's playing the Fall Guy. There's Is a he? Fall Guy movie coming out and he's the Who's gonna go see character. that? It actually looks really fun. I'm probably gonna go see it. Mm. <laughs> hmm. I don't know if Ryan Ryan Gosling's got it. We might have to put him on the short list. <laughs> well, David, what about you? What what's uh what's coming um, up this year? Or what so, are you excited about? Uh you mentioned door making. I just got the. I got two books on door making because I'm going to make a door for the other house, and I have no idea what it takes to make a door. So that's going to be one of the big projects this year. I want it to be. I want it to be like a statement door, like it. Yeah, just, I got to make doors for the barn. Yeah, like the big doors and then the little doors too. I want to do. So that's going to be fun. Um, so 2024 for me is the year of organization. So it's, it's consume less, organize more. That's been what I've been telling myself for weeks now. Bob mentioned the, the bamboo printer a few weeks ago, and I got uh, the A1 when it came out. Or not when it came out, but I got, I got that uh, a few weeks ago. And that thing prints amazing for an FDM printer like it look it and it it just works. I know there's there's videos out there that says it just works. I think I've had 5 FDM printers now and this one is just I can't say enough of good things about it. It just works. It's amazing. It's fast and I'm not a I'm not a 3D printer guy, but it it just works. And so I've been making Sounds like all you are. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've been making all these little organizers for all my drawers. So uh, for like three days, that thing was printing nonstop little drawer organizers. And so it's just, I'm trying to really organize everything. So everything has its home, everything has its place. And that's not only for me, but it's for when my brother's in the shop and he knows exactly where things need to go when we're cleaning up or he knows where to go to when like I need a, you know, we are, you always have these little emergencies like oh, I need players and he'll know right where they are. And I've been doing a lot of different lists. Like I've been like, I usually just have like one or two lists going at the same time of projects or things to do that day. I'm going crazy with lists. Like I'm just really trying to organize my brain and like I have this list of, I just call looming things that just sit in my brain and just eat up mental space because I need to take care of them. Like, Oh, I have to email so-and-so or I need to send this saw blade out to go get sharpened or I need to organize my transactions for taxes coming up. Like 
just having those things in a list just makes me feel better. Even though I know that I have to do them, I don't. Some of these things don't need to be in a list. Just seeing it written down helps me get over some of that stuff. And I deleted all social media on January first. I deleted all social media on my phone. The only social media app I have on my phone is YouTube, and that's because there are certain YouTube podcasts that I'll listen to in the car. But I've got no, no Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook, no Facebook messages, no print. Like I, I don't how, want it. How are you going to survive? I don't get it. Like, I can it? still post on Instagram, and I know, right? I'm just kidding. I, I, but <laughs> I, kidding. I have uh, now. That time is on the computer, or I do. Unfortunately, you can't post Instagram stories on the computer, so I still have an iPad that I could use that for for stories and stuff. But the idea is to have more time to think and less time to consume. So consume less, organize more. Smart. Drive to Nashville. I was about I was about four hours into my drive when I realized I didn't turn on any noise. I didn't turn on the radio. I didn't turn on a podcast or anything. That's that's like, an just, amazing just moment. Th- we <clears throat> just thinking, just thinking of like we. You know, we talk- planning out projects. Yep. We talk Can about. You, guys hear me? Uh, you went out for a second. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I'm here then. Um, we talk about. We've talked about in the past of you know when you when you get in the zone and you're in that 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 crazy mental state when you're you're just working on the thing and none of the outside world matters. Those moments happen less and less for me. And I think it's just because I'm consuming too much stuff all the time. And I want to get into that flow state a little bit more. So I've been spending a lot of time, like I go for, I go for a 30 minute walk every morning. No, no headphones, no phone. I do have my phone, but there's nothing, there's no entertainment on my phone anymore. And it's just time to think. I'm in the shower. There's no, no music is playing. It's just, I need time to think. I need those 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 shower moments those aha moments to come to me so it's just this is the this is the year of consuming less and organizing more yeah and I'm, that's really it, smart. It, and it's not even the the whole organization and consuming less it's not it doesn't even feel like a like a like a temporary thing because that's all i think about now like i think okay i need to not watch so much youtube i need to not care like i'm i'm unfortunately i'm trying to have more time to myself but that time to myself is thinking about not consuming stuff which is kind of a weird little (laughs) little circle i've fallen into but i'm i'm really into it i'm really into not having social media right now well but as that becomes the norm for you you'll think about it less i would imagine that's that's, that that's the hope yeah yeah. There's a certain amount of withdrawal probably still that you're going through and where it's it's at least on your mind, yeah. but that'll become less, I would imagine. You know, it's funny, like, the scrolling and just the consuming. I've been thinking about this, and I couldn't put words to it until something you said a minute ago. It feels like empty calories. It feels like you're j- like just eating chips, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's they're good when they go in your mouth and they do nothing for you and you feel yeah. bad afterwards <laughs> and you've wasted all of this time and you've wasted what could have been beneficial hunger on something that was good for you, something that gave you something, but you've wasted it on this just yeah. like, um, and yeah, it's so easy to do. And 
as I've been like laying around more the last couple of weeks, I've definitely scrolled a lot more and just wasted time because I don't, you know, I don't really feel like doing a lot else. But but I've been in that a whole lot more than I'm usually in it, and I don't like it. <laughs> it does not. You know what I find, what I've been doing lately is uh, when I find myself doing that, which seems like it's a cultural thing now, this is what we all do globally is just sit and scroll. I try and find something that I've always been curious about that I've never taken the time to learn. Like, for instance, the other day I was just scrolling and just killing time doing other things. I try and double task, but instead of filling my ears with nonsense, I filled my ears with what are all the amendments of the Constitution? Oh. Like mm. a history lesson, you know, mm. like mm-hmm. these little, these like one hour videos that I'm just playing. I'm not looking at them. I'm just listening to them. These one hour videos of American history or these like various things that I'm curious about, like how was this made? And I, so I'm trying to focus the need to the compulsive compulsory need to do that, which is something that's been ingrained in our culture of, of late with something educational. I think for me, there's there's been like the, there was like a tipping point recently, and I think it's two things that just kind of put it over the top. Is one shorts, short form video, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, TikTok or YouTube Shorts, like it's so freaking addicting. And you'll watch one, and then you just all of a sudden, fifteen minutes has gone by because I'm I'm I, I, I'm watching yeah. wiener dog videos. Um, <laughs> Or <laughs> on, on Instagram, I would see these amazing, just phenomenal woodworking videos of people doing just crazy stuff. And it was making me feel like, oh, I've been doing this full time for 10 years. I should be making amazing, incredible stuff. And it was making well, me feel are. really bad. I I, I, <laughs> yeah. I agree. But I, 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 like, I would just see these other people doing these incredible things. And I'm like, I am nowhere near that level of woodworking and i would just feel bad and i should feel i i should feel good about what i'm doing and a few years ago i i stopped listening to all podcasts because i was like i i I think i have this like i'm easily addicted to like digital stuff and so i stopped listening to podcasts and so i don't i still will listen to a podcast every once in a while like on a long drive or when something I, I feel would be really entertaining or important comes up. I'll, I'll, I'll listen or watch that, but I become so addicted to learning stuff. I have all these like subscriptions to like masterclass.com and studio and LinkedIn learning and, uh, and Skillshare and all these different ones. Cause I, I felt like I was doing myself good by constantly watching tutorial stuff. And it, I, to be honest, I w- it wasn't doing me any good at all. I, I was just watching the stuff as entertainment. It was just more forms of digital consumption, and so I'm I'm trying to get rid of that as well too. Not watch so many. I I, I think I'm doing myself a favor by watching somebody pour concrete into a form because, like, oh, someday I might want to do that. I'm not. When it comes time for me to do that, that's when I, that's when I should watch that video. Right. Yeah, I think we all know how to get to YouTube. And yeah. so, like, we don't have to watch everything on YouTube now for future stuff. We can yes. just go to it then yeah. when we need <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> I spend way too much time, like, looking up how to do something, you know, how to replace some part on a Land Cruiser that, like, I'm 
I'm 10 years, 15 years away from even taking that part off, much less yeah. replacing it. Like, I'm not even, you know, I, I don't need that yet. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going through a lot of the same stuff, I think. Similarly. Information on demand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, for me looking forward for this year, one of the things is, you know, you were talking about the watching other people do work and, and feeling bad about it, about what you do, that that comparison that you've heard the saying comparison is the thief of joy or something to that effect. And and I think that becomes more and more true. The longer I make things is I am constantly comparing whether I mean to or not comparing myself to other people's things that they're making. And it used to be that we could just make things, put it on the internet and it had value just because there wasn't a whole lot of it whether it was good or not, whether it was as good as it could be, both the video and the thing, it had value just because there wasn't a lot of stuff to compare it to. But now you see amazing things being created by people who are doing it as a hobby. It is not their job. And they're making amazing content. They're amazing make, making amazing things. And that is the feeling that I get when I see people doing this stuff for fun. And it's way better than what I do for work. I'm like, huh, well crap (laughs) like Mm -hmm. what do i do about that and then it's like do i have to do anything about no i don't have to do anything about that i don't have to try to outpace somebody i don't have to try to outrun or outmake somebody it's not about me versus them it's about me versus me and then i'm like no it's not it's not about me versus anything i'm making stuff that i want to have and i shouldn't fall into that trap but i do on a constant basis of comparison so one of my things for this year is just trying to, I don't know, like disassociate my own, uh, like, I can't think of the word, like the how well I do something, anything, from anybody else. How do you do we that? We don't have to compare. Do you just have to be conscious I, of it? I think me being conscious me. of it and just realizing that like... is a good title. Hmm. Well, but I also don't, I don't want to fall into the trap of one-upmanship on myself. I think that I think it's really dangerous and I think that happens a lot with people who create online because you're constantly trying to get eyeballs so things have to be bigger and better and I've tried to not do this for a long time but I've still fallen into it. If I do a project around I don't know something in the shop if then if I do another one that's similar it has to be bigger it has to be better it has to be out there further and that's like such a terrible way to have to qualify things mm. sometimes you just need another thing sometimes you just want to make another thing that's identical or similar or not as interesting I don't know I mean I think the problem that I'm finding is that I'm putting all of these qualifications on things to be able like to justify it if it's going to be a video, if it's going to cost, if it's going to take the time, it's going to take the money, then it has to be this, whatever mm-hmm. this thing is. And I think it's a silly way to limit yourself. Um, it's pretty natural, but it's still pretty silly. So one of my things for this year is trying to really talk myself out of that and give myself some freedom to just make things that are, <laughs> this sounds terrible, that are maybe not that interesting, but they're still fun or they're still Mm-hmm. useful or they're still and it was funny because I was laying in bed last night trying to think of what the next video was going to be and this subject kind of started rolling around in my head and 
I don't want to give it all away, but I think I'm actually going to make a video about making about how in, how to decide what to make. Like what are, what are the qualifications that each of us put into the effort that we're going to throw at anything? Because we qualify it one way or another. And I can find myself qualifying in ways that I think are ridiculous. And I want to be able to qualify things in by a different set of rules mm -hmm. going forward, you know, and I want other people to have the freedom to do that too. So that's a big thing for me this year. I also think, you know, I've been talking about making products for several years and we've made some products and we've done some things and we've put things out. Um, but I feel this, this, uh, nagging kind of just draw to making, I want to design, create a thing that is useful for people. That that's the like I want something that it's not a novelty, it's not a cool thing to go on the shelf. Like I want to make something that makes somebody's job or hobby or home better, makes it easier for them, mm -hmm. makes it. I don't know, and I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's software. I don't know if that's digital files. I don't know if that's like a physical thing. But I'm tired of wanting that and not really knowing what it is. So I think a good, a good, a little bit of advice that I got years ago was like, go through your day to day, mm -hmm. and go through your day to day, the things you do, the rituals you do, no matter what it is, and try and look for a loophole in the ritual that you do day to day that mm -hmm. needs help, even if it's something you already do day to day that you don't realize could be improved. You know, take a good analytical look at what you do, what your wife does. Day to day to day to day, whether it's home, workshop, car, driving, anything. Just look for rituals that you do and see how any one of those particular ones that stand out could be improved. And, you know, it's a good way to start to focus your attention yeah. on finding that, finding what it is. You I know, think like, you'll find instance, it. Jocko, Jocko realized we all use this knife, so Jocko came mm -hmm. up with the idea of making that knife. You know, that's, you know. Go ahead, Dave. I was going to say, I, I, I think you're on your way to finding what that thing is because you've been talking about, like, oh, um, 3D printing this thing. Oh, wait, how do I generalize this so everybody else can use it? And so if you just mm. keep doing that, you're going to find that one thing like, oh, yeah, a large percentage of people could use something like this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll get there. I hope I get there. You know, this year You'll I want to make sure that, that I've made progress towards that. And I think, you know, I also, um, the comparison and the qualification that I was talking about a minute ago has a lot to do with that as well. It's like, you know, I can like these little trays I was talking about a few weeks back, I can, I can come up with all sorts of little trays and I could come up with a cool idea. Like, I don't know, people have trays, people have, they can design their own little thing. I mean, is, is there, is there value there? Is that something that actually has a uniqueness, not like I'm special Bob uniqueness, but like, can I offer something there to mm -hmm. make something better that other people wouldn't have naturally done themselves or the effort to do would be too great for them. And so I think there's a certain amount of healthy qualification there in comparison with whatever I design for other people. But I also don't want to overthink that so far that like, well, why should I even try to take this any further because other people already make the thing or other people already have, you know what I mean? So there's there's like a balancing act there of trying to be useful and innovative versus trying don't, to go too far. Yes, don't Jim. overlook the cool factor. 
the cool fact you could make something that everybody has but you have one little thing to it like the way i'm just watching you right now you picked up that thing and you made it a point to make sure the dovetails fit together you could have just held it up and put it back down but you compulsively picked it up and made sure it slid together Mm -hmm. which is the little bob attachment to it that's the bob contribution to trays you made them so they slide together and you you took a second unconsciously and made sure it slid together because Mm. that sliding together gives you that satisfaction that I made this and it slides together. <laughs> I could tell when you Fair played enough. with it. Yeah. And that is the cool factor. Don't overlook the cool factor because you could make something that everybody has a hundred of. Like, for instance, this is a, a DFM Toolworks pen. Yeah, JT sent me that. It's a beautiful pen. It's just a pen pencil that we've all had a hundred mechanical pencils. But there's something super sexy about the fact that it's a triangle and it's got a lot of weight to it. You know, for instance, the ice pick. But people like my ice pick because it's got some, you know, it's got like a cool factor to it. I'll tell you a funny story about the ice pick. Greg is Greg Pennington, the chairmaker. He dabbles in social media. It's not his thing. He focuses on traditional hand tools. So day to day, he's not scrolling like all of us. So I gave him, I said, I give you a little Jimmy Duresta starter kit. I gave him this and the razor blade and the knife. And he said, oh, thank you very much. And the next morning I went in and and uh, uh, Justin maybe and him were talking in the corner and Justin goes I gotta tell you Greg picked up the ice pick and said this is really cool but I have no idea what it is is this a bubble blower like he goes I don't understand why, why I know everybody <laughs> in Jimmy's world has one of these he goes, but I don't know what it's for and Justin pulled the sheath off and he went oh my god I didn't, had no idea that it was an actual usable tool I just thought it was just like a, a an iconic thing that people did because they liked Jimmy he didn't understand what the point of it was Anyway, so you have that cool factor in those, just in those little trays. I'm sure you could bring that cool factor to anything you work on. So that's the idea. It's not necessarily looking for the same exact thing that's, that's completely outside the box of what we all expect. But it could be, you know, I, I don't have it on me here. I have it, maybe this one here. This is another example of a pen. You know, I like this pen. This is a fancy, sexy pen. I like because it's got a cool factor to it. But it's just a pen. A big pen for 10 cents is the same exact thing. So don't think you have to come up with a new patentable invention versus something that we use all the right. time that just has a lot of, like, it exudes style or, or, or cool factor or even that one little subtle thing. Like, when I hold this pen in my hand, I'm always doing this. You know, or yeah. uh, you guys want to get real fancy. You know, I don't know. Whatever. I was looking for a switchblade. But, you know, what well, is that so one the, little mechanical the, thing that, you know, that slide, that dovetail slides together that's like, oh, you know, you do it and you go, yeah. oh. One of the interesting things that I've learned over the last couple of years is how I'm not necessarily my audience. And that makes it difficult for me to, um, which is another thing to figure out. It's not difficult. But, like, so with the trays and those pens, those pens, they write just like a big pen, like you said. But the design in those things, the way that they feel, the way that the heaviness, the look of them, they're an aesthetic improvement or a uniqueness that you're drawn to. And that's why you wanted to have the thing. Yeah. I am much more of a, you know, function over form person. And so, like, I would never, ever waste money on a pen that because of how it looked. That's just mm-hmm. me. And I say right. waste. I mean, that's even telling of the way that my yeah. brain works because it's not right. a waste. It's just, right. you know. And so when I think about, you know, something functional like these trays or something, I'm looking at it from a 
almost purely what can it do? And so I have a hard time saying, how could this look that makes it interesting for people who that is the top tier, like, draw? You know what I mean? So, like, I'm looking at it, how can I make it more functional or how can I, you know, make it do this thing, not how can I make it look, which it's just a different group of people. I mean, there's tons of overlap, but it's a different thing for people to be drawn to that I think I'm not really in tune with. And so that's that's part of this too, is just trying to step outside of my own desires and my own things that I'm uh, drawn to and look a little bit further, a little more broadly about how I can make an improvement on something that reaches a different group of people. If that makes any sense. But anyway, that's this year, is I want to make something that helps people, makes people's lives better. And something that, uh, rather than trying to make a new thing every couple of weeks, I want to make a thing and then make that thing better and then make that thing better. Iterate on it. I, yeah, I just, I don't ever do that. And it's never been a big need for me, but I think I'm just at a point now where like I, I want to dig in on something. Would that be like a like a bucket, like a series of videos where you just keep redoing the same thing but better and better? I don't even know if it's video stuff. Mm. I, I think I think I just want to be able to offer something to people that is that takes longer than a week to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm still trying to figure that out. But I, I think there's I think there's something in me that needs to to jump outside of the the pace a little bit mm. more and 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 just make something a little longer term, bigger effect mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I don't know. Yeah, I want to uh, just bring up a subject. I've been having a conversation with some some people on the side, some friends asking me advice, and and I'm no psychologist. I'm no uh, you know, I'm a studied psychologist, but I do I can recognize. Because I do it too. I can recognize where and when people are in their own way. And you said me versus me earlier, which made me think about this little soliloquy I'm going to go on. There's a, I've been having this conversation more and more with people when I'm, and I say to them, I see you spending a lot of time just working on your website. Is, it, is that a distraction from you confronting everything else you need to do? Yes. I see you spending a lot of time making things over and over and over and over again to get them perfect when the first one is good enough. Is that a distraction? What are you doing? Why are you taking so much time to make something that's already been made three times? So there's, I notice it a lot of times when I speak to just fans in, in, in passing and we talk and it's fear and distraction are like two of the biggest things that we do. We do things that have nothing to do with the long-term goal, but we feel like we're still being busy. Mm. And it sort of satisfies the need to put in a good day's work, but we're not inching towards our goal because of fear. And I said, I said, I'm having this conversation with a few friends, intimate friends, and I'm trying to get them on the right track. And <clears throat> I do it too. That's why I kind of can recognize it. I'm lucky enough to kind of see it a little bit from a little bit further away. What, are we collectively, figuratively thinking, what are we doing that is taking us on a path of work, but it's not the work where we want to go? Mm. You really got to pay close attention. I do it all the time. 
I'm like, I'm going to clean my truck. It has nothing to do with the things I need to get done today. I feel busy. I feel like I've got something accomplished. But it's not towards the goal, the bigger goal. It could be the short-term goal, the long-term goal. How often are we distracting ourselves because we're afraid of going down that path or opening that door to that project or that avenue or that Etsy shop or that? I would like to go even deeper into this and just do a full episode of uh, our own distractions that we're that we're doing because I yeah. I think this is okay. that that's a good hour conversation right there. You know, for yeah. instance, I I used to live with somebody that would want to save every animal. Every animal that came through, I'm like, okay, you want to have a baby every two weeks? You're still working on the three babies you already have. And from a thousand mile view, it's just a distraction to avoid confronting the things that make us scared. I do it. And I'm not picking on that person. I do it. I do it too. I was at Ann's house and Ann has a, a, a couple of stray cats around her barn. She's like, take them. Take them back to New York. I'm like, I can take one. I'm like, I put them in my car and travel a thousand miles with a cat in a cage. It would be great. The other five cats would love this cat. No. It's a distraction. I'd get home and I wouldn't jump into the work I'm needing to do. I'm going to take this cat and get it neutered and taken care of. And it's a distraction. You know, this, We all have our different distractions. And What are you doing on the regular basis that is feeling like work but has nothing to do with your long-term goal? And then you ask yourself, when you look back and you go, why am I not as good as this one? Or why am I not getting as many views as that one? Or why am I not making as much money as that one? Because you spent half the year organizing your shop wall and not making Yeah, David. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. So that's that's I my, well, I mean, my I th- words of wisdom towards 2024. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point. But I do think that there are also – there's the flip side to that – that sometimes those those distractions when they're not habitual i think the problem is when they're, they're therapeutic habitual. yeah sometimes they're therapeutic sometimes yeah, they are enough of a enough of a separation from your normal work that they allow your brain to be able to you know churn on something yeah. or but when you look back just at somebody remove friction from you yeah. doing the work that you need to do so yeah but- it's definitely therapeutic but when you look back and you spent 4 months and i'm just using this as an example i'm not calling anybody out organizing your shop wall and not yeah. looking for new work or outputting. The only way we get input is by outputting. Got to remember that too. You will only get input if you output. You're not going to sit around and it, some big movie director or some big brand's going to knock on your door simply because you're the best at it and nobody knows about it. If all your friends and family know you're the best you know, machinist, whatever it is, if you're not doing output, you're not going to get input. You could be the best at anything. If you're not showing people what you do and showing off and getting past that, oh, I don't want to be a show-off. We're all show-offs now. It's the only way to live. <laughs> it's the only way to make a living is to show off. Yes. <laughs> unless you want to go sure. work, unless you want to work at a company and just get a regular paycheck, which is fine too, if that's what you like. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be an artist, if you want to make content whatever it is you have to show you off. have to show no off. one's gonna yeah. nobody's gonna come around and be like oh you, you, can you randomly do this random thing that randomly i assume you're good at because i just it's never gonna happen right opportunity is never gonna knock unless you, you know, hang a sign on your front door 
So let's let's talk about the distraction stuff next time. I think that would be good. Somebody write it down, and yeah. we'll talk about that and the other things that we never talk about next time. <laughs> <laughs> David has to go in a few minutes uh, for a little bit. So, David, why don't you go ahead and tell us about what you want to recommend this week, and then you can jump off, and we can finish up, and then you can come back, and we can do the after show. Uh, shoot. I totally forgot. <laughs> I don't have anything. Okay. Somebody else go. Uh, and um, okay. I'll go through my history. I'll go. So I, I found um, through laying on the couch, um, I found this real and it's old footage from, I don't know where it's from, but it's how Matchbox cars were made like back in the 50s, I believe. And it is fascinating to watch. Oh, that's it's, cool. It's like, um, you know, this guy making drawings, big, big drawings of this looks like a Model T type car. And then he uh, he makes all the different views of it. And then he makes a sorry, a different person makes a big model of it. I'm talking like remote control car size model of it. And then they use this pantograph type thing to scale it down and you know, they should make the molds and then they pour the die casts and they stamp them or not. Yeah. They stamp them and it's, it's wild. It's the whole process. And it's just weird that it started so big on paper and I just didn't expect it. It's really cool to watch. Um, and I think it was a reel on Instagram, but I'll put a link to it and check it out. What you got, Jamie? Nothing good. I just watched <laughs> true crime documentaries the entire drive. And when I did listen to something, I just said true crime documentaries playing in the background. And I'm looking at my history. I, I did a deep dive on the Chappelle show. If you guys, this, it's been enough years where a lot of the audience maybe, maybe doesn't know the Chappelle show and Charlie mm. Murphy. There's old Charlie Murphy stuff I was watching. <laughs> One of the funniest comedians is Charlie Murphy. So unfortunately he passed away. But uh, yeah, just all true crime stuff. I'm looking and looking. True crime stuff and news. Nothing good. Well, the true crime stuff is good, but it's 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 like eating potato chips. <laughs> it's all the same stuff. Oh, here you go. The election of George Washington was weirder than you think. You know, George Washington was elected president 13 years after the, in- the Declaration of Independence. You think like George Washington became the president like two weeks after we won the war. 13 years later, the presidency was like figured out. Really? Yeah, I'm going to send that to you. So this is one of those videos oh. I was talking about where I'm just trying to Get some uh, some info. I'll share that with you guys. That, that's it. That's my recommendation. Cool. David George Washington, I did. American history. And it's really good. Uh, it's how to quickly learn drumming. So Tim Ferriss, author of The 4-Hour Workweek, not a musician, not a drummer. He wanted to challenge himself and see if he could learn how to drum in like five days and then play with Foreigner on stage. <laughs> so he trains with Stuart Copeland who is like he's one of the most famous technical drummers in the world he was a drummer for the police so he trains with him and a couple other people and then he plays on stage uh less than a week later in front of a live audience it's it's kind of fascinating wow cool all right check that out i will see you guys in a few minutes for the after show right buddy sounds good uh, big thanks to everybody at Patreon who um, continues to support the show. And Thank you. In fact, we got a message from uh, Kevin E. a couple days ago, and Kevin was stopping his Patreon support. 
and send us all a message to just say thank you and, you know, you need to stop it for different reasons. It was a little apologetic, and I don't want anybody to ever feel like they need to apologize for stopping supporting this show. We are grateful for any bit of it. We are grateful for the people that are just listening and do not support as well. Um, but it was a really nice message and uh, from Kevin. So, Kevin, thank you for yep. sticking around. Yep. Thank you for continuing to listen, even though you're not supporting, and that's awesome. Um, totally but okay. the people in our top group that have been, they've been around for a long time, most of them, and they've been continually supporting, making the show happen, literally. So, big thanks to Crabtree Creative, Michael Manegin, Warren Works, The New Janky Workshop, Scott at Dad It Yourself DIY, Sean Beckner, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Lowen Designs, Chad's Custom Creations, Chad for Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, Corey Ward, and Nick Ryan. Um, yep. Then other people like Kevin uh, that you know help us out at all different levels. Everybody gets the after show, and we are grateful for every single bit of the support. If you want to join up, uh, you know, New Year, if you want to help out the show for a bit or for the year or whatever, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. Help us out. Um, the after show is a separate RSS feed that you get on Patreon. So you get the URL there. You can put it in your podcast player. You can listen to the after show separately. Uh, the videos uh, also get posted to Patreon for the after show. So if you want to watch it in video, mm-hmm. you can do that as well. Uh, so yeah, that's a uh, big thanks to them. And uh, I think that's everything for the regular show. And then we'll, when David gets back mm-hmm. on, we'll do the after show. <clears throat> just a second. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. Just, anything uh, else, Jimmy? I just, you know, I, I really been thinking a lot about these distraction things. It'll be a good podcast next week when we dig into it, but mm. ask yourself, and, and, and I'm not free and clear of this myself. Ask yourself, what am I doing? That's not serving my goal basically, but makes me yeah. feel like I'm getting something done. Yeah, that's that's the a big thing. part of that is is having that goal clarified at least a little bit yep. in your head too. You know, you got to know what you're yeah. aiming at. So I said to my friend the other night, I said, e- "This person says I'm working so hard. I'm working so hard." I said, "You're working so hard on the things that don't bring you to your goal." And it mm. was a, it, just simply by me saying that to this person, they were like, "Okay, I could I could mm. see that." I could see that you're right. You're right. You're right. Because not getting the results they expect, but yeah, you're working in a vacuum. Yeah, cool. Anyway, All right. we can talk Let's more about that. Let's dig into that next week. Right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Love we'll you. See you next time.